Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Well, it's a real pleasure to have uh, Pastor Danny Aguyamuchi with us uh, this morning to be able to share uh, the Word of God. For those that may not know Danny, uh, he was the founding pastor of, of Edge uh, Church, a church that's uh, uh, multi-city, a multi-site church, and uh, that's being used by God, different nations of the world as well. Uh, he's since handed the church over and ministering to churches um, all over the nation and even all, all over the world. And even now, we we're just talking before, even through Zoom, being able to minister to different nations of the world. Um, Danny's not a stranger to our church. He's, uh, he's like family. And I don't say that figuratively. Literally, he's like family. He's related to quite a few of us uh, around here. Um, but uh, it's just great to have him. He's a passionate minister of the Word of God. He loves God. He's been through uh, some real challenging experiences, but still able to smile, still have a strong faith in God. And so it's a real privilege uh, to have him to be able to share the word this morning. Um, those of us that are here, the, the few of us that are here, why don't we give him a warm welcome as he comes to share the word of God this morning. Thanks, Danny. Thank you, Joe. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Love Thank you, Pastor Joe. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to be with you. It's always a joy to be with family. And to, sorry about my glasses, right at the beginning I have trouble with sight at the moment and so I have to, uh, I can't see you when I've got them on but I have to use them to read and uh, we're working on that with the doctors at the moment as I've lost quite a bit of sight in my right eye and a little bit in my left so uh, it is a challenge but God is good all the time and uh, I really believe today that God wants to encourage us, I really do and so as we go to the word of God today uh, I pray that uh, it won't just be a talk, but it'll be a truth. You know, as I look back over my life, there are some things as you get older, you realise um, you can learn from. And in the early days when I preached, I used to preach principles and preach what I hope we would become. And uh, now you look back and you realise that if you've practised what you've preached, it's something you can pass on, not as a talk, but as a truth and a truth that works in your life every day of your life. And so um, over this last uh, couple of years of going through challenges with health and uh, questioning sometimes, God, where are you in all this? I've been able to go back to the things that I taught other people. I remember one day God saying to me, if the sermons you preach to others are not going to work for you, then it wasn't going to work for others. And I started going back over the notes of things that I'd preached over the years and, and realised they weren't just talks, but they were truths that can carry us through every season. So it's good to be with you this morning, and we are gathered together, even though we're not in one place, because church is a people, not just a place. Church is a people, not just a place. And as I look through Scripture, I'm so encouraged of people that were the church when they weren't in a building called the church. I'm reminded of John who wrote the book of Revelation and he's on the Isle of Patmos. He wasn't in church and he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day because church can be wherever we are because we don't go to church. We are the church and yes, we do need to gather. I can't wait till we gather. But what a tragedy it would be that if we're only the church when we gather in a building. We're not just a church in a building. We are the people called the church. 
This should be the greatest era for the church. In the midst of all the darkness, we can be in the spirit in the Lord's day. I've never found a time in my life where um, I haven't been able to connect with the unchurched in the past like I, I am today. And people don't want answers for everything. They just want to know how you handle the tough times in your life. And so today, I really believe I do have a word from God. And I pray that he will be glorified, that truth will be clarified, and that our walk with Jesus will be intensified. Yes, it's good that we're going to come back together, but there's a new normal coming. And there's a time of new wineskins, and we can't put new wine into old wineskins. And I believe we're coming into a time when we know as a people called the church, when we gather and when we scatter. The early church had power in the gather and incredible power in the scatter. I hear some Pentecostal churches around this country say, can't wait to get back together, can't wait to get back together, and that's a good thing. But if we're not producing in our scatter, then we've got the Holy Spirit just within four walls. And that's not what Jesus intended for the church. He wanted us to everywhere we go. He wanted us to scatter the good news and be the light of the world, not just the light of the church. The salt of the earth, not just the salt of the church. And so I want to encourage you today. I, I believe God has given me a message. Uh, I've got two titles for it. You can take the pick. It's called Through the Fire or We Can Take the Heat. So any way you want to look at that, Through the Fire or We Can Take the Heat. Walking with Jesus for over 40 years, in the early days of walking with Jesus, I experienced unbelievable favour or what we would call favour. I experienced that sense of God going ahead of you, opening doors that you never pushed open, God just being there and you had the sense God was with you. There was a sense of favour. But as many of you know, later in life, we started to experience the fire of infirmity, the fire of attack through, you know, losing a son. And many of you know that story. I won't go there again. But, you know, I only watched a, a uh, video of my son preaching two days ago. In four years, I haven't been able to watch him preach because he's in heaven now and I couldn't handle the grief. And a couple of days ago, I pushed myself to watch him preach and I was so ministered by his word and yet heartbroken as a father, crying, wishing he could still be here. So where was the favour of God when that happened? Because I'd known a lot of fire, at the, uh, sorry, a lot of favour at the beginning and now where's the favour gone? And I've discovered the favour of God never leaves us, friends. The favour of God is with us in the furnace of affliction but also in the palace of influence. And we're going to look at three boys in the Bible, in the book of Daniel, that experienced incredible favour in a palace of a heathen king where they were in Babylon, in the worldly system, and yet they carried the culture of Judah where they came from inside of them and never compromised what they believed when they were in the good books of a heathen king. But one day they get thrown into a fire a fire of affliction and opposition. And guess what? God was there with them too in that time. He was with them at that time with them, sorry. And I believe today that we can be a people that can have God with us in the fire of affliction, in the furnace and in the palace of influence and in all seasons of our lives. 
God can be there with us, strengthening us and holding our hands and and helping us through whatever comes our way. I was praying early hours this morning. I couldn't sleep. And I started thinking of you guys. And I felt very strongly that there are people watching today. And, you know, some of you are going through some really big challenges with your kids. I don't know the uh, full story. God doesn't download everything. But just that seed in my heart that some of you are struggling right now in dealing with directions your kids are taking. And you go, what are we going to do with all this? And I want you to know God's with you today. He wants to strengthen you in this, in this challenge that you're going through. Some of you are wanting to give up. That was the other thing that came to me that, is it worth it? Is it worth fighting the good fight? Well, we're called to fight a good fight. We're not called to fight the wrong fight, but we're called to fight the good fight. And I believe that as we take hold of the Word of God, we can be encouraged today that He's the God of all seasons. And in all seasons, we can stand firm and know that he is all truth. This is not a talk this morning. It's an impartation of truth that can help us walk with Jesus. We've got to walk with Jesus in all seasons because his favour is available to us in all seasons. You know, as a Christ follower, as I said, I've experienced incredible blessing. You know, open doors that only God could have opened, as I said before. I've seen God do miraculous things that cannot be denied. In fact, they're the things that when you go through such grief, you've got something to lean on, the things that you've seen God do that nobody else could do but Him. And yet there's been the fire of affliction. And I want to tell you today that God is present in all. Our opening scripture today, Galatians chapter 6, we're going to go to Daniel in a moment. But in Galatians chapter 6, it says in verse 9, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Now, if you read the previous verses to this verse, it'll tell you what good is. I haven't got time to go there today. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. There's a promise here that says one day we will reap a harvest. That's a promise. But at the appropriate time is about process. You don't sow a seed today and get the fruit tomorrow. There is a process and I've learnt to wait on God and waiting on God is not just hoping that something will come good. It's a trust that God has gone before us and because God has gone before us, I can not give up because there is a harvest coming and we will reap a harvest. That's the promise. At the appropriate time is the process. But if we don't give up, That's the price. There's a price to pay for God to break through in every area of our lives. And it's that waiting time. I never, ever thought I could handle the pain that we've handled. I never thought if you'd told me ahead of time, you're going to go through this, you're going to lose a son, you're going to go through cancer, then you're going to lose your sight. And it just goes on and on and on. And yet in the midst of that, there's been a peace. There's been a sense of God's presence Because I know there's a harvest and whether that's eternity, man, eternity's enough. Man, we forget to preach that the gospel is about eternity. It's eternal life. It's not about temporal life. It's not a temporal gospel. It's an eternal gospel and we need to see from eternity. And that gives me great hope that there is a harvest. I believe there's a harvest here and there's a harvest in eternity, but you can't give up. And these three Hebrew boys in the book of Daniel, knew what it was like 
to hang in there and trust their God both in the palace and in the furnace. And I just pray today that this word will really encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Let's read from Daniel chapter 1. It's a bit of a read, but hang in there with me. Verses 1 to 7. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who'd been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy and good-looking young men. I just want to stop there for a moment. At the birth of God asking me to lead our church over 25 years ago now, I was reading this passage one day and I realised that for the world looking at the church, they don't see the church as strong. They don't see the church as healthy and certainly don't see the church as good-looking. The church has been irrelevant and as I was watching the qualities of these young men, I felt challenged in my heart to do my best to build a church that was strong in its foundations of belief and doctrine, to build a church that was healthy in its motives and in its integrity and its openness and authenticity and to build a church that was good-looking. And good-looking is not an outward thing. It's not just about nice buildings, although we need to have a spirit of excellence, but that's got to flow from an excellent spirit. But it's also the good-looking of us touching our communities and being, being loved in our communities by the kindness and the love and what we bring. And I made a commitment back then to follow this Scripture. And like these boys, it says later on in chapter 1, they had a 10 times better anointing. And I believe the day is coming real soon where the church will have a 10 times better anointing, an anointing that the world can look at us in this season even and go, we need the relevancy of the church. We need the help of the church. We need the hope of the church. And I believe our best days are ahead of us. I feel so emotional about that. Because I believe Jesus isn't coming back for a church that's fragmented and broken and insecure. But he's coming back for a church that has that 10 times better anointing. And what the world's got to offer is going to mean nothing to them. But what we've got to offer, Jesus Christ, is going to become reality to them. And so it says that they made sure they were well versed in every branch of learning and gifted with knowledge and good judgment and suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah were four of the young men chosen all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach and Mishael was called Meshach. I couldn't pronounce them as a kid, so we used to say his shack, my shack and a bungalow. And that's how we tried to sort of work out how to pronounce these funny names. <laughs> these young men experienced incredible favour, but they also went through incredible fire, as I've already said. Their devotion to God as people of divine purpose 
does not change whether in favour or whether in fire. And again, I look back over my life and I think, wow, so many miracles, so many breakthroughs, so many things that could only be God. But boy, there's also been a lot of fire. Sometimes we watch people's outward success, even in ministry. And I remember a friend of mine saying to me once, don't judge the size of a man's harvest until you've seen the size of his seed. And sometimes we can judge people from a distance, go, nothing ever goes wrong for them. Oh, look how blessed they are. Look how successful they are. But, you know, we don't see behind closed doors sometimes the price that has to be paid to persevere through all kinds of challenge so that the promise can be achieved. I'm very grateful for every blessing. But I'm also grateful for the presence of God to be there to help us with every challenge. People of extravagant favour can experience extreme fire. And I want to say to you today something that is very real to me because I grew up in a childhood. If you don't do good, God won't love you. And if you, you know, do good, God will love you. And it, was this un, it wasn't a, an unconditional love of God. It was a, a conditional love of God. And so when things go wrong, you automatically think, where did I go wrong? What did I do? What's happening? Is this the devil? But you can be totally in the purposes of God for your life and we can still go through fire. These young men never bowed to a heathen king. They never did a worldly way of living. They lived out their faith right in the midst of, they were teenagers, right in the midst of a, a heathen world system. And yet for doing good, they were thrown in the fire. Because some of you watching today are saying, but where did we go wrong? Why is this happening to us? Well, no, as Christians, if we go through the Bible, the Apostle Paul, you know, look at the disciples, how their lives ended. I absolutely believe in the favour of God to bless. Please understand that. I still believe there's great blessing coming my way. I don't have this pessimistic approach to life that, oh, well, whatever will be, will be. But I also understand that if I'm going to go through fire and I don't even know why, I can use that time in the fire to be a witness for my God and to be a voice for my God. So a heathen king one day can turn around and say, this is the real God. This is the God we've got to follow. These boys were carried off into captivity to Babylon as teenagers. In Babylon, they received a good education and rose to high positions in the Babylonian and Persian government. However, Daniel, because of his unwavering devotion, we all know, that, we all know the story, was thrown into a lion's den. His other three friends were thrown into a fiery furnace, but like Daniel, survived these attacks by the incredible power of God. In chapter 3, and I won't read it all, but Nebuchadnezzar makes a statue to his own glory, to his own name. And because these boys would not bow and worship this statue, they were literally uh, grabbed and thrown into a fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow. At one stage, the king comes to these boys and goes, I'll give you a second chance. If you change your mind and you bow before me, isn't it interesting that convictions have to be predetermined? They knew in their heart that they could never bow because they had made decisions in the good times of their life on how they would live their lives, on where they wouldn't compromise. And so at a time when the king says, I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace and I'm going to burn you guys, but 
I'll give you a second chance. You know, the devil has this ability to come to all of us as Christians and even people that aren't believers and always gives us a deal. Remember that show, Deal or No Deal? He tries to do a deal with us, but we don't deal with the enemy because we have pre-planned and predetermined convictions that run our lives and lead our lives. I remember if you go and read it, I'm just going to not read it all this morning, but you go and read the story you know, the king gives them the second chance and they say, King, God can deliver us, but if not. God can deliver us and he will, but if not, we're not going to bow. I've discovered over my life, over many years and many of my Christian friends, that we have to have a but if not faith. God, you will deliver. God, you will heal. You know, I lost my son, but I'm still praying for the sick. I believe still that God heals out of his sovereignty. God can do anything. He's the creator of the universe. But if not, I'm not going to change religions. I'm not going to walk away from what I believe because our faith is a but if not faith. God can deliver down here, but if not, we have eternal hope and we trust him with our lives. And these boys had that but if not faith in their lives. Three things today that I believe out of this story have helped me. I pray that they will help you. Number one, these boys were well prepared for the fire beforehand. They were prepared for the fire beforehand. We've had lots of fires in the Adelaide Hills uh, over many years and it's amazing how many people were told, clean your gutters, get your houses ready in case there's a fire And a lot of people ignored that and many lost their homes. Now, they might have lost them anyway, but there were some who weren't prepared. They hadn't done the work beforehand to prevent a fire from taking place. And I believe as Christians, one of the greatest things we've got to do is prepare for fire when there's no fire. We prepare for fire ahead of time. We don't prepare for fire when we're in the fire. How many Christians get caught in the fire and then go, help? Help! And God is gracious and he'll come through. But how many Christian parents I speak to that when they hit a wall with their kids and they go, we need help right now. The problem is you should have been preparing some things before the issue, before the fire. We prepare ahead of time. I am so grateful that God, through journaling, because I journal every day of my life, Through journaling, I'm constantly preparing my heart every day so that when fire comes, I am well prepared. We prepare beforehand how we're going to handle a fire. I was talking to a pastor the other day who said to me, uh, he was dealing with a family and and the, the husband says, but we're a Christian home. Why is this happening to us? We're a Christian home. And the pastor said to this family, but are you a Christ centered home? That really hit me, actually, when he said that to me, because we can all say we're Christian homes. But when we're Christ-centred, that means Christ directs our steps. It's one thing for him to be a light unto our path, but he's also a lamp unto our feet. And a lamp unto my feet is my immediate right now. I need to be able to build those things into my life so that when I'm caught in a fire, I was prepared for this. I was prepared for this ahead of time. And these young people lived in a season of favour in the palace, never compromised. And then when they're thrown in the fire, 
they were able to take the heat. You know, we can take the heat. We really can take the heat if we prepare ahead of time. You know, Nebuchadnezzar was so angry and so mad that he said to the boys, I'm going to throw you in the furnace and I'm going to make the furnace seven times hotter. Do you know, I think as Christians, we should take the heat when the world around us can't. We should be people that can take more heat than the world could ever take. Because it says in 2 Peter, and I'm not making a doctrine of this, but it just came to my mind, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, add to your faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness and love. That's a seven times hotter faith. And if you're going to be in a furnace that's seven times hotter than what the world can dish up, we better have a seven times hotter faith. And I read this and I thought, I look at these boys and as I look at these boys, they were filled with goodness. They had a knowledge of God that was incredible. They had self-control, 17 years old, most of them. In the palace of a king, can you imagine the sexual tension? Can you imagine the things these guys would have gone through and yet they had self-control? Talk about perseverance. Talk about godliness and brotherly kindness as they stood together in the fire. And love. And I really think we can take the heat when those around us can't. Isn't it interesting that the, the tough guys that threw these boys into a fiery furnace, they dropped dead when they got near the fire. And how's three boys in the fire and nothing gets burnt? They got thrown in clothes. They were tied with ropes and with their clothes on and they got thrown into a fire and they could take the heat when the world outside of them couldn't. And they dropped dead, the guys around them, but these guys stayed strong in the fire. What kind of faith is that? Because you see, number one, they were prepared ahead of time. But number two, they could take the heat when others couldn't. And as Christians, we need to have that posture. This pandemic should not bring fear to Christians. Because God is with us in all seasons, no matter what happens. Again, John on the Isle of Patmos, he was on an island full of mad people. He was in exile and he writes the book of Revelation and he writes to seven churches when he's not in church himself. There's something about the language that as Christians we carry that is a different language to the world, not because we're great, but we've experienced a grace, an amazing grace of God. I don't know every day when I look at what I'm going through even now and having more tests this coming week, Danny's not a strong Christian. The Holy Spirit is strong and He in me helps me be strong. I need Him every day. I need the Holy Spirit every day to lift up Jesus inside of me because I'm only one decision away from becoming a total idiot. One decision. But I'm thankful today for the Holy Spirit of God that is more than a force and more than a power. He's the third person of the Trinity and he comes and illuminates truth to us and it brings Jesus alive in us. And this becomes a Christian approach, not a churchian approach. I don't want to be a churchian. I want to be a Christian. A Christian is a Christ follower. A churchian is a church goer. I'd rather be a churchian than nothing because it's partly on the way of becoming a Christian. If you're a churchian, keep coming. You keep coming. We want you here. But there's nothing greater than knowing that we can take the heat 
when others can't? Do we believe that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world? Do we believe no weapon formed against us will prosper? Do we believe when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him? Do we believe the gates of hell shall not prevail against the army of the Lord? Do we believe the words spoken to Joshua, wherever you put your foot, I will give you? We don't often talk about the 31 kings he had to kill (laughs) along the way. I'm pretty sure these boys understood these truths and we can take the heat when the world around us can't. And the third point is they became a testimony to their greatest critics. They became a testimony to their greatest critics. The very people that wanted to kill them, the very people that wanted to throw them in the fire now have done a complete about turn and go, no, 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 we need to follow the God of these guys. Why did that happen? Because when we are authentic in our pain, when we are authentic in what we're going through, the world's not looking for perfect Christians, just honest ones. And right now in my world, I have an army of not yet Christians that come to my home on a regular basis. I could start a community with these people. They're not asking me, why didn't your God heal you? They're not asking me, why doesn't your God heal you? They're asking me, how do you handle the pain? How do you keep going? And I found that in our pain and even times of not understanding what's going on, we can be in the spirit on the Lord's day and we can be a witness. The beautiful thing about the story that can relate to us as well today is the fact that when these boys were thrown into the furnace, two things, Jesus shows up in the midst of the furnace and stands there with the guys that had been thrown into the furnace. The presence of Jesus was with them in the fiery furnace as it was with them when they were in the palace of influence. And that's such a great thing for me because many, 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 many months of in and out of hospital, every month I still go and have transfusions and and all kinds of treatment and I I sit at the Tennyson Centre on South Road for cancer victims and there's just people with cancer everywhere. You know, 80, 90 people in a room receiving chemo and and you're sitting in that room for about four hours. And I want to tell you, even in that room, I've had the opportunity to talk to people and had the opportunity to know that the presence of Jesus isn't in a building called the church, but because the church is a people, wherever the people go, the presence of God is there. And that's an incredible encouragement to me. But the other thing is the only thing that was burnt in the fire was the ropes. Their clothes didn't get singed. Clothing can speak of our identity and all kinds of things I could go into, but we don't lose our identity when we go through problems. The only things that gets burnt are the things that stop us from walking. The only things that were burnt were the ropes that stopped them from walking in the fire. We need a Christianity that doesn't have ropes that hold us back so that when we're in the fire of affliction, we can't move. We become immovable. And I want to tell you, my friends, I'm glad that in the midst of all the afflictions and in the midst of all the pain and in the midst of all that, the ropes have been cut off and I can still walk in the fire. And as I walk in that fire, the presence of Jesus is with me and I cannot deny that truth today. 
so bring on COVID or non-COVID. It doesn't really matter. I can't wait till we gather. But God is also trying to teach us that he's God in the scatter. He's God when we're not gathering and we are the church at home. This morning, whether you're in your pyjamas or whether you're sitting there with a cup of coffee or eating a pizza, you shouldn't be eating right now. And you're sitting there watching me. Let me tell you, you're at church because you're the church. Wherever you go, the church goes. And we need to understand today that whatever happens on this earth, we are such a blessed people because Jesus will always be with us in the favour and in the fire and He will be with us and gets rid of the things that hold us back from moving forward. It's amazing the things that don't matter when you go through fire. It's amazing the things that don't matter anymore. I love motor cars. I love motorsport. I love driving. I can't drive much now. And there's a whole lot of things. I have a new normal. And in that new normal, Jesus is still there. He's still there equipping me for my new normal. And I want to thank God today for that incredible sense of the ropes being cut off and his presence being there. You become a critic. Sorry, you become a testimony to your greatest critics. When I was in hospital, a a nurse comes in one day. She sees my Bible next to my bed. And she goes, how can you still believe in that? How can you still believe in that after what you've been through? And I said, because my hope is eternal. Let me tell you about a new heaven and a new earth. Let me tell you what the gospel of true Christianity and Christ is. She looked at me and she goes, do you really believe there's going to be a better world? I said, yes, I do. She goes, I lost my brother with cancer. That's why I became a nurse. I've lost my marriage. And my life really sucks right now. And if you can tell me there's a better world, because this one, if you're going to tell me this one gets better, I'm not sure I can trust that. But if there's another world that's coming, I said, yes, there is. I believe it with all my heart. She looked at me, tears running down her face. This is in hospital. And she said, can I give you a hug? And she just gives me a hug and I prayed with her. I don't know where it's all going to end up. But I'm just so glad I can walk through my fire without ropes. Without those ropes that hold us back. We can walk through the fire because I don't go to church. I am the church. I am God's son. And there will be a new day where there'll be no more suffering and no more pain. But that kind of resolve in these three young men resulted in a heathen king saying, the God of these guys are the God we now need to serve. You see, as I come to a close today, three things will happen when we stand our ground, even when we think we're going to burn, is his presence will never leave us. His presence will never leave us. But his purpose will never be stopped. From the day I was born, I knew I didn't know it on the day I was born, but later on I knew that from the day I was born there was a purpose. Whether my son had a purpose 39 years, he's gone. But when I watched him preach the other night, I thought, oh my God, I'm going to be alive a lot less without him than I was with him. Now I watch my grandchildren serving Jesus. My eldest grandson is 18 years old, serving Jesus. And I'm thinking I'm grateful for our eternal hope that when we go through the fire down here, 
We don't have to be bound with ropes of insecurity, brokenness, discouragement, despair, because His purpose won't be stopped. But you know what? There's a heavenly promotion that comes after we come through the fire. For some, it'll be eternity, but even down here, I never thought God would open up a world to me of people that are broken right across the community because of what I was broken with. And God promotes us to levels. It's not a promotion like worldly promotion, but it's a lifting, a promotion to a greater realm of influence. People will respect you because what you carry is real. They will respond to your story. But the most beautiful thing is they will rise up and have their own story if what you impart to them is real. In conclusion today, we can take the heat. But we've got to prepare beforehand in the good times when everything seems to be smooth. Let's prepare ourselves for times of fire if they come. My prayer is not that you will go through lots and lots of persecution. I want you to know the blessing of God in your finances, in your homes, in your kids, in your marriages. God wants that. But do we have a but if not faith that says, God, thank you for all that. I'm grateful for all that. But if not, you're still God. You're still the truth. and We become a testimony to our greatest critics. God's presence, his purpose and his promotion. I know time's gone. I want to be real quick. If I can just switch just for a moment. With this pandemic, folks, I feel God has showed me what's going to happen. And I haven't got time to preach on this. So just take these four things very quickly. There's going to be church leavers all over the world. People are going to say, I'm just going to do church online. And I want to tell you, friends, that is a total disagreement with the word of God. You cannot do church in isolation online. And God showed me seven false teachers in the New Testament that are going to speak in the future. And we need to be undercovering. We need to be under proper teaching of the Word of God, not just listening to whoever we want on podcasts. Those things can be an and, but they can't be the whole thing. We've got to be undercovering. There's going to be church leavers thinking, I don't need to gather. There's going to be church cleavers They're the people that want the programs of the church. They want the institution of the church. I need my kids to be followed up. I need a youth group to happen so my kids have got somewhere to go. And we're still doing Jesus in the second person. And they are church cleavers. But God is raising up an army, as I come to a close today, of Christ followers, where the hunger starts from the seeker, not the speaker. Where the hunger starts to rise, I want to know Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus. I've had months without going to church before this virus, but I've been to church every day. I have a church inside of me because I'm a Christ follower, not just a churchgoer. And then there's Christ seekers. There's going to be a multitude of new believers. They're going to come to the places like this and say, tell us the truth. I've had people that some of you know, business people in this city, come to my home and go, are these the last days? Talking to me about this stuff. There is a hunger in the world to know truth. And I want to be a Christ follower and I want to feed Christ seekers. I don't want to be a church lever or a church cleaver, but I want to be the people called the church. And in saying that, I can't wait till we all get back together. And I can't wait till we can all give each other a holy kiss and a hug. And as an Italian, I want that more than ever. Make sure you brush your teeth before you come back together. 
because it's going to be a great time. Father, today, I thank You for Your Word in our hearts. I pray that this will be more than a teach, Lord. Let it be a truth. More than a talk, a truth that we can daily live by. We can take the heat, God. Father, I pray for every person right now that's watching at home, that's going through the heat right now. They feel like they're in the fiery furnace. Oh God, show them that You will never leave them. Show them that You will destroy the ropes and that they'll be able to walk again and people will say, their God is the true God. Father, today I thank You for Your Word. Let it be real in our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' mighty Name. I'm just going to ask the team to lead us in worship, if that's okay, as we just bathe these truths in our hearts in worship. I pray in Jesus' Name. Amen and Amen. God bless you all. Good to see you. What a great word. Amen. What a great word. What a great encouraging word to help us through. There might be some people going through the fire this morning. Come on, why don't you just reach out to God? He's going to see you through in the name of Jesus. The Bible says now faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. And I know that God is going to see us through whatever it is we might be going through in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank You for this time that we've been able to gather together. And our prayer is that Your Spirit would fall upon the church, that truly these would be days of revival, Lord God, where we would see Your glory come upon us, Lord God. And Father, for those that are just going through a challenging time right now, I pray that in the name of Jesus, that their faith would increase, that there would be hope, I pray, in their lives. You're the God that sees us through, Lord God, and we give You the glory and praise. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You have a great week in Jesus' name. And we'll see you next week in Jesus' name.